Contacting We Are Connected, and here comes some music for our audience. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. That old world. Thank you there, Alvin Lee. Ten years after for ushering us into another two-hour get-together here at the Radio Ranch. Uh, the weekday is Wednesday, and that is date stamped 12-15-21, uh, ten days away from, uh, from the big day. And here we go on to the Radio Ranch. Roger Sales, your host, guide, and uh, this morning repulsed host to a certain extent. We were chatting about it just before we went on here with Gary and uh, Jeff particularly. And I guess some of you also out there listened to Andy Hitchcock's program with Dr. Day. This morning is a recent program, I noticed, because they were referencing December the 7th and some shows that he had done concerning Pearl Harbor. And Dr. Day came out and said that was very interesting that she would remember something when she was four years old <coughs> and that the uh, Pearl Harbor she was four years old and that dates her pretty much about 10 years older than I am I guess and um, that uh, she her father she was with her father and he went into a store and he came out and he was ashen I think basically I forget the word she used exactly but it was something to that effect where you can visibly see I guess even at four years old she had the memory that uh, uh, something was terribly uh, upsetting to her father and he came out and she even remembered the verbiage of saying we're at war uh, so kind of interesting and uh, but I say that to date the program that it was relatively recent what we were discussing that i don't remember any other time i've actually turned uh andy's show off jeff except right here at the last and i was so repulsed quite honestly that that i cut it off ahead of time uh and the reason for it if you didn't listen audience um to andy and if you don't i would encourage you to listen to andy dial in an hour earlier than you tune us in and uh andy has uh, got tremendous connections in the patriot community he's written a book that is a milestone of sorts uh synagogue of satan it's been updated uh by him and um He's got quite a reputation. He's a good talk show host. He's obviously a real good, level-headed guy, formerly a cop, which is the reason that I'm anxious to get with him, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a second. But uh, if you're not listening to Andy's show, I'd really encourage you to dial in. He's got some wonderful information on there. Uh, here just this week, we've heard this Sabbatean expose on Monday, which was fantastic uh and then today dr day and yesterday's was good um i wrote andy a, an email and uh, telling him how much i really uh was impressed with peter's research and the information that they put on the sabbatean on the program on monday was on sabbatizevi and sabbateanism which is what we're fighting really uh, when you boil it all down to it that's the influence that we're dealing with today and uh Andy wrote me back and said, well, thank you, Roger, and I forwarded this to Peter. So uh, maybe one of these days I'll actually have some communication with Peter, who I've grown to really admire from listening to those regular appearances on Andy's show. Um, 
but anyway, Andy scheduled. Uh, we've scheduled an interview on the. I think we're going to tape it on the twenty eighth here, the week between Christmas and New Year's, before this show. Uh, so uh, on that day, I'll do that with Andy. I'm not sure when he'll air it. Um, but today's program that made me turn it off at the end was on. Yeah, it 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 went around too. It was mentioned. Doctor Day mentioned it in her presentation that there were two cannibal restaurants like not hannibal like the guy with the elephants or hannibal lecter you know in the movie this is cannibal with a c there's two cannibal restaurants in the united states they're both around the uh, los angeles area and her statement which floored me and maybe it's going to floor you too there are no laws in the u.s against eating human flesh you don't like long pig round eyes? <laughs> well, you beast, you. <laughs> Dad, Dad gum marines. Um, no, me no gusta. Uh, gracias. <laughs> no gusta, no quiero. Uh, don't want any, any, any cannibalism around me. And, uh, so anyway, but there's two restaurants, and so they talked about that for a minute and how she knew about it and this, and then she went on with her, with her program, and it obviously it stimulated Andy because he went into, uh, and he said this, web crawlers, his favorite search engine, so he went into web crawler and dug up, and there's a couple of cannibal restaurants, and he started, he dug up the page and started reading it, reading the description of the restaurant about their eloquent cuisine and how one of the owners had worked off Broadway on, uh, and I've heard of this before, maybe some of you have too, you know the famous restaurant up there off Broadway? Does anybody know what that is that didn't hear it this morning? And she worked personally under the guy that's, that owned this and started it. It's named Sardi's. And uh, I've heard that before over the years. Anyway, she worked with Sardi, and then she left New York and went to L.A. And I'll be darned if she didn't open up her own little restaurant-oriented and uh, definitely <laughs> grounded on cannibalism. And so she read, or Andy read a little bit of the description of the uh, – of the uh, wonderful restaurant don't think i'll be uh, dropping by there anytime soon and uh then he went into the menu and it was the menu about the second or third entree where i said man i can't listen to this and do a radio show i just ate breakfast i want to go lose it uh so i'll just turn that off and get started anyway you may want to go back and listen to it if you're uh, perverse like that this is a good question for you in a cannibal society brent obviously you know something about this um do you know uh do you know when uh, what the most prized part of the body is for cannibals the the part you know how you know how at christmas you'll fight over the drumstick or something right (laughs) (laughs) oh i want that drumstick no i get it you know that well and you don't know what the most prized part of the human body is to cannibals huh no, I, I don't even really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're about to find out. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I know I know many people's minds would go many different parts of the anatomy, okay? <laughs> but generally, those are not what you're going to get as an answer here. The most prized part of the body is right there at the base of your thumb. 
Hmm. That real soft little area right there, it's like maybe eating what uh, what would they would they call on the back of a chicken or a turkey. There's that little spot. I can't remember what my daddy used to call it, but there's that little piece of meat that's kind of embedded in the backbone there in the skeleton, and it doesn't ever get any exercise. Anything. It's real tender and quite tasty. Well, anyway, that evidently is the same with cannibals. They like to go for that little meaty part at the bottom of your thumb there, Brent. Yum, yum. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, cannibal restaurants in the U.S. No laws in the U.S. against cannibalism. <laughs> There's no laws in the U.S. against voluntary servitude either. They've allowed you to step right into it and enslave yourself. Well, you, they enslaved you from birth. All you did was give them the okay and the green light when you answered those questions. Yes. So, in the James Wesley Walls book, uh, they talk a little bit about cannibalism. Okay, that's a great book. I remember reading that when that came out. I, st- I stayed up one whole night almost, maybe two. I don't remember, but I know I at least one. I got so laying on the couch sitting there enthralled in that book. I heard Jim uh, Ram has mentioned it several times. If none of you have gotten a hold of that, it's a un- it's an absolute page turner of a read. Uh, he did a wonderful job on it. It's got a lot of really good tips in there uh, on things that might benefit you in time, such as we have in front of us. And uh, just an all-around good book. And he's an all-around good guy, too, from what I gather. It seems like I met him briefly at one of the expos that we attended selling Silver Lawn so many years ago. But that's a real good resource, even though it's, uh, you know, 20 years old. Uh, and I guess he's written some other stuff since then. So um, we had a good show yesterday. We went over some good good basics with Mike and Don and new students and stuff. And uh, I guess we'll open up today. Is there anything anybody uh, wanted to ask or uh, that you wanted to inject or bring up for discussion? I mean, you know, this program is its really for you. It's not for me to... Uh, sit here and stroke my ego and uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm here to reinforce my freedom by helping you find and get yours. And with uh, most people, that takes some explanation and uh, get you through some of the very confusing ways that this has been set up to enslave not only our country, but the whole world through the United States dollar, of which you are the collateral. So does anybody have any of those kind of pesky questions or anything this morning? Hmm. Now here, I hope we'd have somebody come on with a whole bunch of questions, some like new person or something. None of that this morning, huh? Okay. What would somebody like to discuss? You you want to just well, say okay? Well, there's somebody. You know, come on, come on. Yeah. I chummed you up there. With, yeah. Without going into why we have them, Roger. What's your version of? why they happened in history the 13th and 14th amendment like what was the sudden uh impetus need that to, to, you know to, to do this so oh, well I, I you know i've got i've put a lot of thought into it and study over the years and kind of things you uh, sometimes when you connect dots they might not be ac- accurately connected but i've connected a number of dots uh first of all <coughs> As you know, our traditional enemies have 
wanted to do this sort of thing for thousands of years. It's nothing new. They they were controlling their world in Jesus's time there in Jerusalem with this basically the same system. Okay, I mean obviously it wasn't as technological advanced. They didn't have double entry bookkeeping. They didn't know how to make money uh, by uh, taking promissory notes and all that stuff. At least we don't think they did because they didn't have dub- double entry bookkeeping to be able to pull that off. John, do you understand? It was John right? You understand that, don't you? The way that they're doing the money system. Have we covered yeah, the double double entry? It's it's an ancient idea, but. Well, it's not too ancient because it didn't come around till double entry bookkeeping came around with the Medici in about the 1500s. Okay, so they didn't even have the mechanism to pull it off until then. But basically, what they're doing is combining uh, law, they're combining accounting, and they're combining some finance. And you got to know a little bit about all three of those subjects, all vast subjects, obviously, to be able to understand what they're doing. Although it's quite simple, it's amazing. They, I mean, it's amazing they pull this crap off in front of everybody and get everybody into believing it and, and accepting it, isn't it? I mean, here they're doing. There is no money there. Lend. The only thing they lend is credit, and they do that through the use of promissory notes. You got to remember that the only way money is monetized, quote unquote, what we call money, currency, is monetized is when it's loaned into circulation. Okay, you can have a warehouse full of green pieces of paper with dead presidents on them and one dead treasure, but they're not going to do anything because it's not monetized. It's got to be monetized, quote unquote. That's their terminology. And that happens when somebody goes to a financial institution and takes out a loan. Interestingly enough, you also monetize things with credit cards. Okay. And uh, every time you run your credit card, that money has never that has never been in existence before. You created it by buying that good and running that card. Okay, so what they do, and it's better to use large ticket items here for the uh, for the audience. It may not have been exposed. It's just like the citizenship thing. It's just like all their crap. It's all some trick. These bastards have no power. They've amassed a lot of wealth and and a lot of influence, okay? And they've gained power by that, but they don't have any power in themselves. They just do it with these tricks. It's a trick. We always use it, you know? And so what they do, let's say it's a house. You're going to go buy a house. Uh, I assume most of you have uh, uh, purchased a home. John, have you ever purchased a home? Yeah, I have. Okay. Remember the closing? Yep. Remember that big stack of papers they brought in, the closing attorney <laughs> brought in and put on the yeah. table in front of you? Oh, yeah, I remember that. You remember the first one on top? Well, not the first one, Roger, but I think it was the uh, promissory note. Yep. That's the one generally they get you to sign first. And now what you're doing is you're signing a credit instrument. You're signing a promissory note under the merchant law. Another reason they want to make you property so they can bring in the merchant law uh, uh, revolving around contract is your promise to pay so much per month, so much principal, so much interest over whatever length of time you agree to uh, for a total. And now when you sign that, you've created a future income stream. So the act of monetization is you signing the promissory note with a promise to pay. Okay. Now they take that instrument back to the financial institution and with double entry bookkeeping, like we were just talking about, they put the amount on the liability side of the ledger. 
not the asset side. You've just signed your name to an income stream. That's an asset. That's a positive, even though it's future. It's a positive income stream. But they come back and put it on the books as a liability they owe. Now they take that promissory note and discount it into the secondary market to an investor who pays them less, you know, pays them less than he's going to get with the full-term payout of the note you just signed, but they take that cash that he buys at a discount and they bring that back and that is placed on the asset side of the books of the ledger to balance them out. And it's that cash which has now been created by your signing a promissory note and this little technique they use, that cash comes out and pays the builder. Okay, so that's the way they do it. Now, it's funny, I came across a Thomas Jefferson quote some time ago, John, in my readings. And Jefferson understood this scam. This is not a new scam for them. And you can tell from his very simple statement, no discounting of notes. Now, if you'll remember back in the Jimmy Stewart, you know, we're in the Christmas season here. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life, the movie where he was the bank president, all that stuff. Well, those in those days, banks held their own paper. Okay? And that's why that movie was like that. They had not fully instituted this system at that point. But now they do it, and all they're doing is churning back currency back, and that is what goes into circulation from whatever you purchase. Now, technically... I believe what they're doing could be described as monetizing your collateral because that's the amount you paid for something. And do you know any bankers that make loans like that without collateral on one side and compound interest on the other, John? Not too many. Well, they need no, they need collateral. Okay. And so what they've done is taken the value that you paid for the collateral and they've monetized that amount. They didn't monetize what your total payout was on that promissory note. They monetized what the value was. Because the value is what the promissory note is executed on. And now in the execution of the promissory note is the compound interest with the payment schedule. Okay. So they're monetizing the value of your collateral. So now... You get the collateral, and you get the compound interest that's never created, and the amount of the collateral monetized is put into circulation. And so the amount of the interest that's added is never put into circulation. It, that's where they make money out of thin air, right there. They don't make it by putting the money into circulation they make it in the compound interest that's attached to your depreciating collateral because virtually all the collateral depreciates and yet on the other side is the compound interest going up and the depreciations going down it's an insidious system okay and, of course, I think everybody in this audience realizes the game is musical chairs. You've got to go out and get some other sucker to go buy something and get his uh, a collateral monetized loaned into existence. Beat him out of that so you can pay your interest that's never loaned into circulation to be able to keep your collateral from being confiscated. Okay? 
So that's the way they do everything with these little tricks, man. And the back pocket payments. Do, do do what, John? They make you make back pocket payments, but it's really it should be canceling the debt instead. They're causing more debt. Correct. Okay. And uh, this is I don't know if you have heard where I got this. I I used to listen to WW back when there weren't programs like this on that you could access and the internet was in its early stages and you didn't have all this information and radio hadn't been put out over it yet and all that stuff. The only place we had to get information that was accurate, cutting edge stuff was on WWCR. Uh, and there were several shows there on weeknights on WWCRs, a, a pretty well-known shortwave station out of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, at night they had, Oh, Bill Cooper on. They had Pastor Pete Peters on. They had Tom Valentine. Is anybody around that used to listen to those programs? Any of you guys used to listen to that? Was wasn't Valentine three hours or was he two hours? Does anybody remember? No. Seems to me he was three hours. Okay. Two or three hours. He it was, was on long. It was a pretty long show there on, on a regular basis. Did any of you know who Tom Valentine is? outside of like me and brent old timers tom valentine was a guy that worked for liberty lobby in the spotlight and they helped sponsor his radio show and he was an absolute total 100 percent health nut and he was always selling supplements he had a lot of health show uh on and stuff like that uh and so it was tom valentine and then i believe it was pastor pete and then I believe it was Bill Cooper. And then for a while, there was another guy who's still in federal prison, and I just can't remember his name. He had a short uh, show run on because the feds busted him, actually. And he, uh, his, um, I believe his company was Water Oz. Do you remember that, Brent? Did you ever listen to that guy? He was on from like 1 to 4 in the morning, Eastern time. Okay. You had to be, you had to really want this knowledge pretty bad to stay up in the middle of the darn night, especially if you had to work the next day, and listen to a signal. <laughs> you could hear a couple of workers every now and then, like that, to listen to something like that to get the information, okay? And uh, I wish I could remember this guy's name. I think his daddy was still trying to get him out of federal prison. And I don't know what he did that got their ire up so much. But he used to do colloidal gold and colloidal all kinds of copper and different metals. And uh, he, one night, had this guy on named Tom Schaff out of Chicago. And Tom Schaff was i guess still is <clears throat> although i haven't heard any seen his name or anything in years tom schaff was a cpa out of chicago and what tom had done was he had somehow qualified himself to do forensic accounting testimony and qualified himself as an expert witness where you get the big money in some of these trials and so in doing so and in acting in that capacity, he realized that there's no place in the country that gave CPAs accreditation to become expert witnesses. And so there's your 
classic formula for a successful business. You find a need and you fill it. And so what Tom did was open up a school in Chicago for CPAs that would get them accredited to be able to qualify to do expert testimony. Pretty simple. And so uh, one day he's got a student in there, and the student happens to be a federal auditor, bank auditor. And the guy pulls Tom aside. And get this, here's a federal bank examiner and a certified CPA that's an expert witness. And the bank examiner tells Tom every loan in America is a fraud. And Tom goes, huh? And he goes, let me show you what they're doing. And he just, he told him this process that I just laid out to you. Okay. And so Tom uh, was wowed and he wrote a book. I think Jim Ram's got a copy of his book. Um, And uh, they started going out and finding people who would take their mortgage and take it to court under the auspices of fraud that the bank never loaned them any money, that this process was how they generated the the house sale and they would put the court records under seal and they'd hand the free and clear keys to the homeowner so he had several accountants around the country that got on the bandwagon with him and were teaching this stuff and i like i said i don't have any idea what happened to tom he and i i was so impressed with this information that i contacted him and because i had a little bit of a legal background he was just getting started with his company and he asked me to help him write some contracts which i i did i don't know that i was very good at it uh but anyway uh that's how we came to communicate and get to know each other a little bit and uh lost contact years ago but I've never forgotten the lessons that I learned from him. And now I can see that I know some of their other tricks that I, this is all they got is just this trick crap. They've amassed all this power and all this control with these simple little tricks of fooling you. And it's all right in front of you, isn't it? It's not always right in front. Well, it's, it is right in front. You're on the promissory note. I mean, all that stuff is right in front of you, even though you don't understand the mechanizations. It's just like uh, the um, the Freemason motto, first a line, then another line, then a square. There's the Holy Grail. It's right there in their motto, right in front of you. Okay? We just don't know how to put it together. Uh, that I've been thinking about this interview, upcoming interview with Andy, and of course Andy's not American, doesn't have the familiarity with our system. I'm, he's obviously he's, he's got some knowledge of it, but he doesn't have the familiarity of it that we do. Just as he knows a whole lot about the English system that we don't know, you know, because we because each of us live in that system. But I was trying to think of how do I start that interview with him and bring in all this American stuff that he can't quite relate to on a one-to-one basis and so i was thinking the maybe the way to start is to uh, with the story out of england on the uh, on the child that was born and the nurse at nih telling the mother she can't object to him getting tested with the for the covid thing because uh, the baby's their property okay well now if you here's uh, i know jeff rents covered that article at least twice uh when i mentioned it to stat miller oh yeah we talked about that i'm I'm sure andy covered it although i didn't hear the show that i can remember but all those people that did whatever comments on that story they had the whole they had the whole thing right in their hand with that story 
the whole matrix, the key to the matrix, and the beginning nucleus, the, the origin of the matrix, is right there in that story, but yet it's so skillfully hidden that nobody can make the connection of assigning a political status at birth that goes back and brings in underneath the feudal system. And that gives them all their control right there. And it's right in front of you in that story, and nobody saw it. Amazing, isn't it? It is to me. may not be to you. It is to me. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's uh, the way I thought maybe I, and it may be the way that I opened the program with Andy so that we get some relatability there at the front. Uh, of the interview and we'll see what else happens but um anyway all it's all tricks john and and uh when you're confronted when you confront them with it they shirk away you know you confront them with this uh this money trick in a court and they they give you the collateral and seal it so nobody else can do it to them when uh when uh when you file an affidavit you know, I heard Andy say here recently, I commented on it, those who have an answer for everything, or those who always have an answer, however he phrased it, they don't have an answer for this. They stand mute. Does that tell you how powerful this is for them? Those who always have an answer have no answer. Does that tell you something? Well, yeah. Okay. So They don't have any authority. <laughs> We, they 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 get caught with their little hands even but when they get caught in other things they've always got a comeback with this they've got no comeback the only comeback they've ever had are examples like the bluff letters that they occasionally send out which are pretty easily overcomable and uh, um oh what was the other example i had for uh, the um, the letter from IRS to, to Shane with which hey here's a five thousand how dare you put us on lawful notice here's a five thousand dollar frivolous filing penalty well hey bitch I didn't file anything I put you on notice there's a little bit of a difference and of course Shane's never heard from them nor will he ever hear from them because that is the only kind of thug response they've got because we got them cold dead to rights on their fraud. Dead to rights. So anyway, uh, I, I was somewhere I was going to answer your question and address it, John. I got off on this monetary thing, but everything and everything I can see is a trick. What's this, this whole vaccine thing is a trick. Nobody's been able to isolate the vaccine in these two years, and there's an awful lot of people that are thinking it's uh, uh, has to do a lot with five uh, G in some of these cities. These key cities they used were the earliest cities on the globe that were wired for five G. The Wuhan hospital over there where the doctor died, uh, that was uh, the, first, the whole hospital was 5G Wi-Fi wired. Within days. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, there, it's a trick. We always use it. Evidently, everything is a trick that these people do. I think the whole virus is a trick. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And look at the way they rolled it out, the whole virus, to set up the jab. 
and they scare the hell out of you by in some of these cities you know showing you video these people walking along the sidewalk and just drop dead in a heap how'd that happen yeah they dropped dead after the vaccine (laughs) well then no this is before the vaccine this one the virus when they're trying to scare you and set up the vaccine Okay, because well, some of the well, some of the videos were here from Ecuador, from Guayaquil, you know. So I, I don't know, but I do believe that nobody's isolated and come forth. And I think Doctor Day didn't Doctor Day said this morning that there, there are no viruses or something to that effect, Jeff. Yes, that's correct. They're just the flotsam and jetsam of your body. They're, they're, they're discarded DNA of some cell that went wrong. It's cellular waste. Yeah. Yep. So well, uh, they've known that for years. They've known that for years, Roger. Well, I know. I know. Years. I know. I know. All the way back to 1918, when some of the people were doing those experiments, they couldn't get it to transfer. Okay. So anyway, uh, what we're doing is just pulling the curtain up on the bastards and uh, exposing them and uh, confronting. What we do is speak truth to power. Okay. And there's a lot of people that are damn scared of even filing a piece of paper. Have you noticed who was trying to say something just then? Well, this is Jeff. I don't want to change the topic, but I wanted to bring up that the feudal system concept. I brought that up in the meeting yesterday. Oh, yeah. We, we got to get a report on this. So you want to give us the whole report on your uh, on the whole day or you just want to get this little tidbit out of there? Uh, just a couple of tidbits. And uh, so. As I was thinking, oh God, what am I going to say? Oh, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to get up there and do it. Well, I had decided to have the audience personally, physically involved. So right away, the first thing I did was I had them pull out their iPhones, their laptop, whatever, and go to travel.state.gov, certificates of non-citizen nationality, and see for themselves where it said, all U.S. citizens are U.S. national. Scroll down to the bottom. There's a one sentence that you put on one piece of paper with one letter with postage to one official, and you're out. And so this was right after the first speaker went through his convoluted, you know what I mean, all that sailing on the land stuff. And so... Three or four people came to me uh, afterwards and expressed a great interest besides a couple I was sitting next to. So I think I made an impression with uh, the 10 or 15 minutes of uh, question and answer about uh, Social Security. Is that affected? Driver license? Yeah. How was that affected? Right. Voting? Is that? I said, no, basically not. And so, so it was good for them to, <clears throat> I think see personally on their own device that the state department is telling you hey you can volunteer out you got a dual political status that's right you're born state citizen and that's forever and then they overlay the 14th and we're distracted to that blah 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 so it was it i i feel positive about having actually said something there and so i handed out the uh the two documents to which I added a couple other things like the list of the court cases and some links. And so we'll see. Well, Jeff, I want to 
accommodate you on uh, and and give you kudos on the fact that you've been very persistent in that group. It's been a little bit hard not hard frustrating probably to get to this point you have to drive over there and sit through a, a bunch of stuff you know is garbage it's almost you know the problem we have is we're so educated and see it and we have to put up with people hearing that crap come out of their mouth and it's kind of sickening isn't it i mean it sickens you because it makes you sad it makes you sad that they've bought the whole lie and the hook line and sinker and that they're never going to get make any progress walking along that path and yet you've got the answers and most of them won't listen to you and want to be argumentative about it correct okay yep so it's hard it's hard to listen to that stuff that's why i stay there as long as i can which is not very long (laughs) and like okay i'll suffer through this until i see no they're all going to go down the same useless path like well okay so i've talked to a few here and there in these different meetings and so yesterday finally i was up in front of all 15 or 16 of the people there and so they got to hear the message to the best of my ability to transmit it and so should be interesting well you used you used the right piece of evidence there to start it i think that's one of the most wonderful things that i've stumbled on the whole time i've been in this where you can just put somebody right on it from the start well i was also able to describe that first sentence of the 14th amendment how see there are two statuses, except it's not really obvious unless you pay attention to the words and, you know, trickery through words. So. Yep, yep. And it doesn't say are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. You have to be subject to, yeah. That's right. And, and of course, right there following it, as Harvey was in here argumentatively the other day, I don't want to call it something else. Well, right there in the 14th Amendment, it's a citizen of the United States. You call it whatever you want, but this is the one thing that they understand. And, you know, as I've constantly noticed uh, the whole time, our people are very stiff-necked. You know, God's right. We're a stiff-necked people. And you always want to throw your twist on there, you know, label it. You put your brand on it, whatever. No, I'm a state national. Hey, using their words. This is a problem. You just took the thunder out of my mouth right there. Uh Oh, I didn't mean to do that. One guy said, oh, well, we can't use their their words because, you know, this." so they don't want to use the government or whatever, their words. And I had to reply in an email saying, "Uh, hey, those are our words, too. You got to know how they're used in context. It's not the words, idiot. It's the definition that's attached to them. Right, and the conflation of connotation. Okay. And 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 what they can't understand, like this guy, is once we know how they've tricked up and attached the definitions and what those definitions are, and we use the same words, that's the key to the matrix. Right, and I was able to explain the government's definition of their legal term citizen u.s citizen and the term resident and so i think that made it an impact on some of the people well good for you man i'm i'm really proud of you jeff for number for persevering and for uh now honestly every time you do something like that aren't you more comfortable with the information uh yes and so like right now and at the meeting i get a little unwelcome 
a burst of adrenaline that makes me think, oh, crap, I don't know what I'm going to say. No, it's not that I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm worried I'm not going to say enough the right way. And so I just let it, it happen. So, But my tactic was get them involved. They can see for themselves. So they don't have to just listen to me and sit there like bumps on a log. Yeah, so... I think it was effective. I, I know that's effective. It's one of the most effective tools I've stumbled on really the whole time I've been doing this many years. Okay. And that statement right there is so powerful from their document that is a policy document. It's a State Department policy because they're laying out the policy on how American Samoans should handle this certificate that they don't want to print anymore because the paper and ink are so expensive. You're the Northern Marianas, right? Okay. So, uh, good job. Good job, Jeff. I have a feeling you probably touched some of those folks yesterday. Well, one woman afterwards asked me about uh, what my uh, knowledge or opinion was on private membership association because she has something she has to deal with pretty soon. And so I told her, uh, sorry, I'm not qualified. You should contact Jim Ram. Yeah, or, or John Kassarab. Correct. Well, or, or Harvey. Harvey's been studying on that a lot, too. Yeah, so I sent her in that direction, and so she'll get some help that way. So, yeah. Okay. Step by step. It's a, it's a, it's a little baby step at a time a process, believe me. Right, and a half gallon of gas. I mean, I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to just be able to dump it all on somebody, but you can't do it. You, you turn a lot too many people off. It's the proverbial taking a drink out of a fire hydrant. All right. I mean, well, I've seen that happen. You know, I've had it happen to people that I've, because I'm, I just want to pour it over somebody like with a bucket, and man, you you absolutely drowned them. That's right. Anyway, so that's my report. Okay, good deal. It's easier to pull a rope than it is to push a rope. So good work, Jeff. Proud of you. We'll probably have some of those folks show up on the show here sometime. I'm I'm hoping so. Yep. They got all the. Yep. Good deal. Well, proud of you, man. Uh, you know, every everyone we can touch here is a victory. Everybody that wants to uh, be receptive for the information and move forward with action does nothing but strengthen all of us. Uh, yes, had, do what? Is a check in the mail? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll just I'll just transfer it over to your hyper fund account. Um, uh, somebody, uh, one of them. I I I feel like I'm treading on somebody's privacy here so i won't use their name but uh uh somebody that's associated with uh, thumper and that group over there on the patriot network uh wrote me and said okay i downloaded a ds11 i'm fixing to fill it out and go get that done i believe thumper had a uh appointment with the post office yesterday to get his uh submitted so obviously they're getting some uh they're getting some some uh, apps here lately traction good that's good. And, uh, oh, I don't know. Wayne, are you with us today? He didn't make it to the meeting yesterday. Okay. Well, I was going to tell him I did uh, follow up on his efforts uh, with the RBN contact, a guy named Tom, and uh, shot him an email uh, well, a few days ago, and I forgot to copy cc wayne on it but i want to let him know i did follow up on that so hopefully we'll maybe even have a shot at getting uh getting one of those days i think they're talking about thursday right uh that thursday uh two hour slot over an rbn would be great 
So, uh, all right. Anybody else got anything they want to bring up, discuss, kick around, inform us of, analyze? Yeah. Who's there? Oh, uh, y'all. It's it's the Yankee oh. from Arkansas. Oh, oh it's the Mad Razorback. Yeah. It's the Mad Razorback. Yeah, pig. Well, how would they say that? <laughs> all these mad people. Uh, I wanted to say uh, thank you, Jeff, for your care and love towards these people. You're trying to wake up and help. Uh, I. I can see myself doing this. I, I don't have the documents that you have, and maybe uh, I can get them somehow. Because, and, and what I'm thinking, and I, it may be, it may not be a bad, it may not be a good idea to mix the COVID thing with the political thing. But hey, you know, I'll I'll run it as I can. Most of the people. That well, Doug, I'm, it makes it very viable when they're talking about potentially mandating the vaccine. Now it's a a, a really discuss discussion rich area, and the awake people are going to realize that those that don't have any inkling or reject it, okay, go move on, go to the next person, right? I, I next. Go, yeah. you know, go, uh, what was it? Was somebody sent me a, uh, I think Jeff, it was you, I think that sent me that sign somewhere. What was it? Uh, it, was, it said, be sure and make your booster appointment now for Christmas. Thing. <laughs> yes. Was that a poster that may or may not be a genuine? Is that, uh, the New Zealand? Oh, it's in New Zealand. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, be sure and make your appointment now for your booster. Yeah, secure your freedoms. And at the bottom, there's an right. asterisk. There's not, freedoms may not be available in all areas. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I had to laugh. Well, Doug, look, the documents you're referring to are right there on the Internet. Okay. And the beautiful part about what Doug, what Jeff did was, and this is the way I like to do it too, if you're in, on a, one of these interviews or something, I want who the host of the show is to pull that up and read it. I don't even want the audience to hear me read it. I want them to hear the host that they're familiar with read it, okay? Because then there is no question that it ain't a lie in the source of it, all right? And, yeah, it's a good technique. That's and, a third-party endorsement. Correct. It's now, now you may want to, and I can send this to you, but it's pretty easy. Travel.state.gov is the website. That's the State Department website. For all you out there, maybe some new folks. Travel.state.gov. Pretty simple. Travel.state.gov. And then there's a search field there on the top right of the page when you, that comes up. And you put in Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality. And there'll be a bunch of selections that pop up. And you can just pick the first one. And then those ten, the first ten words of the third paragraph are what Jeff centered on and what I like to center on because until that happened, I see it's funny because I'd seen that document years ago and I didn't sit down and read it very adequately at the time. And here a couple of years ago, Chris cave, our, our deceased friend 
found it and sent it to me. And I pulled it up to address a guy that was asking a whole bunch of questions on email that I try and, you know, address on the program. And so uh, I I was trying to address his programs, and I got that document up and started reading it on the air. And there's those ten words, which I'd never seen before, which tells us that we've got a dual political status. See, up until that point, I thought it was a trap door uh, on, on black and white. Okay, and you were either or. I didn't realize that the way they had overcome the Plessy decision from 1894 of separate but equal that uh, solidified and confirmed the Jim Crow laws. Okay, I didn't realize the way they had overcome that was to make both statuses equal. The 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 thumbnail for Plessy was separate but equal. Okay, so they had. The equality of Jim Crow was they both had a political status. Didn't say that one was subservient to the other. One wasn't as full as the other. It's just they both had a political status. And so to overcome that with Brown versus Board of Education, they made the political statuses equal. Now, uh, if you're talking with somebody new... The way I like to address that is to have them read that. All U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals, okay? You want to read that again? All U.S. citizens. A-L-L. All means everybody, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Black or white or not. It's pretty inclusive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that means that everybody is the same. So the first question, Doug, I like to ask somebody is... Did you know you had a dual political status? Well, you know, don't ever ask. You're an old salesman. Don't ever ask a question you don't know the answer to. Okay? So, do you think anybody knows they've got a dual political status? No. Okay? We didn't even understand it. And we're as cutting edge on this topic as anybody in the world, except our enemies. Okay? All right. Did you know you had a dual political status? No. Hmm, don't you think that's kind of interesting? Yes. Okay, well, there's only two statuses. You're either free or you're a slave, right? Can we get agreement on that? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so um, which one are you, free or a slave? I'm free. Lee Greenwood told me so. Okay, well, if you're so free... Tell me the things that you can do without a license, a permit, or permission. Dead silence. There used to be one of those. Pardon me? It used to be that breathing was one of those. It used to be, but they're trying to set it up where they can tax you on your exhale. Yep. That's okay. right. So, uh, so obviously, you're going to stop them there. There's two questions. You show them the statement. Which one are you? Oh, I'm free. Okay, here's the second question. What can you do without a license, permit, or permission? Dead silence, because there ain't nothing. Okay? All right. Now, if they take the other course, oh, I know I'm a slave. Would you like for me to show you how they've allowed you to enslave yourself and how easily to get out of it? So either side, free or slave, within two questions, you got somebody to know if you got somebody that's live or not. How, how simple is that? 
You don't bring in any law. You don't bring any court cases. You don't bring in any statutes, any regulations, or anything that's confusing to people. You're just doing it on straight ahead logic and basic knowledge. And a statement, a policy statement from the State Department. That's not hard. You may have to work with it a little bit to get command of it, but it's not hard. So, Roger? Yes. So I'm assuming here that um, the two documents that Jeff spoke about, the first one included this um, knowledge of the pol- the dual political um, status, and the, the second... It's I'm the sorry? Escaping the Matrix, both of them are Roger's documents. You know, you know the, you've got those documents, don't you, Doug? How to escape the Matrix and how to file for a national... Uh, affidavit i don't think so well you haven't requested them uh, well you haven't requested them i've been talking about them all year so what i'll do is uh after the show today i'll send them to you and a couple of other interviews i'll send you the package that i send to somebody that requests the matrix docs okay okay Thanks. All right. It's got about so, several interviews on it. It's got the Ed Snowden video on it. And it's got three documents, two that we wrote. I mean, listen, they're both two pages. That How to Escape the Matrix is two pages long, and we spent over 22 hours editing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember that. All right, it's all high points, it's bullet points, and it takes an awful lot of different pairs of eyes and work to get those points down to a abbreviated bullet point format that doesn't go into a lot of explanation. To do all this in two pages is incredible, really, because it's complex. Well, am I correct, Jeff, in assuming that the... One of the other documents were the court cases that John yeah. came up with. I think yeah, you said that. that. Yes. Is that in the Matrix, too? <clears throat> no, it's a separate document that Don, John and them created, but I'll make sure you get a copy of it. If anybody okay. else wants those and doesn't have them, if you're new or whatever, and you don't have them, you want to use this as tools to send to other folks, etc. Just drop me an email at Radio Ranch, no, sp- no space, Radio Ranch at mail, M-A-I-L dot com, and just put Matrix Docs up in the subject line, and I'll send them to you. Well, the reason um, I'm addressing this is because I'm inspired and energized uh, to do this with people that I know uh, to awaken them, to see if, if they... Uh, have ears to hear or not but everyone that does from day one when you begin to understand this and digest it uh, digest it and understand it uh, you're going to be continually being more set free the more you understand it yep and as you as you said the power is not in the documents or the passport it's in the understanding it's the knowledge and the information that gives you a re-empowerment process. You know, and, it, and I just I use, I'll say it again, the, re, it's the reason I don't charge anybody for this. I mean, I'll charge you for a personal consultation, and I love people to do them. I enjoy doing those, okay? It gives me a little extra income, and I feel like I've earned it, all right? I mean, honestly, for what the information that I've got command of, 150 bucks an hour is pretty cheap, Okay. Really? 
it could be 250 or $500 an hour easily. Nobody else on the planet's got this kind of information at hand. Okay, but I don't. I keep it where it's negligible. I'll enjoy doing it, but I'd rather you come onto the air here and ask them where everybody can learn at the same time. And uh, all the other folks that are listening are constantly reinforced with this information because that's how you learn and that's how you get the confidence. Hey, Roger. Also, um, I don't know if now is the appropriate time, but I listened. I usually catch uh, Andrew's show and I listen to it. Uh, today with Dr. Lorraine Day, and I wanted to kind of specify some of the things that she said in relation to bacteria, viruses, and that, and uh, it's not a long, uh, drawn-out thing. Is that okay? Sure, Doug. Just plow right in. Okay, so what she explained was that Cells die with um, with a specific time period, and when they die, well, she started out by saying we have bacteria like in our gut and in other places that are voluminous. Yes, and they have a time period that's set when each types of these cells, phagocytes, which are white blood cells, etc., they die at a certain time period within so many days i think she mentioned uh, red blood cells specifically that live about 10 days well she mentioned red blood cells i don't think it might have been 10 i don't i don't remember that aspect specifically but she mentioned red blood cells white blood cells and bacteria and she said the bacteria are there to when the cell wall which deteriorates and then the cell breaks apart, the bacteria are there to take out the garbage. Right. Apop, that process is called apoptosis. Exactly. And then she said that the viruses, what they're thinking are viruses, are actually the garbage coming out. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say that she mentioned more than once was you cannot catch, uh, like, a sickness from touching something, from breathing something, etc., unless it's a, which is a a biological uh, result of, of these cells breaking down. And, but toxic things are different, and then the body reacts to them. So that's my input on my uh, recollection there. Okay, well, when this debris from apoptosis or a cell ejecting some type of material, which it may be, I'm not sure, but either the cell, the cell destroying, disintegrating, apopping, and uh, if it's not too severe as the body produces uh, the... Uh, in I guess the material to go in and clean that up if it's not too severe that is a cold but if it's real severe that is the flu and what is coronavirus the common cold mm-hmm. yep so Okay, I'm going to get out of the way here. Okay. You know, I love Dr. Day. I've been listening to her for many, many years since she was originally on Jeff Rents back when they were big buddies years ago. 
uh, they had some sort of a falling out. Jeff has a falling out with people uh, on some kind of regularity, it seems. She was one of them. Uh, Cliff High was another one. Um, who's our uh, Who's our Jewish buddy? Uh, uh, I can't think of his name. Is right. I can't believe I can't think of his name. Um, up in Canada, it was another one. Um, but um, remake William Nathaniel Henry Macow. Yeah, Henry Macow and Brother Nathaniel. I think all four of those people he's he's had fallen outs with. Um, but he had Dr. Day on again recently. They kind of kissed and made up for a program, and I love Dr. Day. Uh, I really <laughs> greatly, greatly admire her, what she's accomplished, and the things she's overcome in her life. And But I wish she'd stick to medical, because when she gets over into this legal stuff and the admiralty law and the gold fringe on the flag and all that, she's out of her league, Okay. And uh, maybe there's another example of why I want to do this uh, interview with uh, with Andy, because he's got a connection to her, obviously. And maybe he can say, hey, listen, you need to understand this right here. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it breaks my heart to hear Rince getting on his show and he doesn't do it often, but I've heard him do it several times. He's going, well, yeah, they got money back in your birth certificate, and they trade it on the stock market, and when you die, they cash it in, something to that effect. And I'm just sitting there going, gosh, man, you know, Jeff is so meticulous and fastidious about all this scientific stuff and being exact and going down and being exactly getting across what it is and understanding it to the nth degree, and here he is spouting this bad information on this stuff, and I can't get to him to correct him. Okay. And it really, it, it kind of hurts me, you know, honestly. Like Jeff going and having to go to those meetings and hear, Admiralty Law, you're a ship sailing on the sea, you know, and all that crap. It's painful. When you know what we know and you know we got the goods and you know those people have totally good intentions and are trying to accomplish something positive and they're talking right out of their sphincter muscle and they won't listen to you. And it's very painful. It is to me anyway. Okay. So we just try and go into a patch where we can and throw a patch on it and see if you can get them straightened out and go on down the road. But the more you can get command of these basic things and these tools that we've got, these wonderful tools like that policy statement, policy letter right on the State Department's website where it tells you everybody's got a dual political status. Well, I also pointed out to the people at the meeting about 26 CFR 1.1-1. Well, that's a, that's a good one to bring in, too. And everybody's <laughs> prime concern is always those sorry bastards. And right there at the end of that first sentence where it talks about non-resident aliens, I said, that's me, state citizen, national. But there might be three, Roger, right? Can't we say we're, uh, we're Indians of North America, then a state citizen? Well, Indians in North America are basically, they've got the same, they got a little more control over them because they've signed treaties, you know. But, but we can uh, say we're an Indian too, right? Why? why yeah. No, I, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to do it. I'm just saying, I thought it was our, our right to be a North American indigenous or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, you can go suckle up to one of the tribes and see if they'll accept you. <laughs> like Kevin Costner, you know, in that movie. Yeah, Dancing with Wolves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when they hung uh, hung Dustin Hoffman from that teepee with those things in his chest. You remember what I'm talking about? Those talons they put in his head to put him through whatever that thing was. 
that little yeah, uh, yeah. yucko. Oh, Richard Harris did a great movie, and that happened too. Yeah. Uh, I just did, did. You know, John, don't don't complicate it. Just be a just be John the state citizen. John the national. You're not even a state citizen. I'm a national. Yeah, just be you. Okay, because see, if you go in state citizen, now you got to go fight. Well, see, it says here, and you got to drag out court cases and do all. Just use their word. They've gone to great, great lengths to hide everything behind that one word. Now that we know what they've done and what it is, why don't we want to use it? Right, right, right. Hey, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm reading too much Anavon right. <laughs> well, shame on you. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's their trick, and V always end up using it. <laughs> Samuel, was that you trying to say something? Yes, sir. Hey, man. Uh, from uh, in my opinion, from what I've read about rents, you're going to have to tie a golden pork chop around your neck for that guy to talk to you. Well, I, you know, maybe I'm 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 trying to get to him through other people that he's got relationships with. Okay. And I mean, it may be that I'm not able to. I, 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 I'd be very frustrated. But if that's the way it works out, Samuel, I guess that's the way it'll work out. But it doesn't mean I ain't gonna try. And you mentioned the other day he's been married nine times or something. Hey, man, I ain't. I don't want to propose to him. I just want to get to his audience. All right. Well, it just shows you how he treats people. Uh, I guess you know. Uh, anyway. I, yeah, I don't just know. My, just my opinion. I, you know, I, I, I'd focus on on better men. I mean, there's just a all whole right. Bunch well, of all right. Okay, there is. But who else is better man that's got an audience like that that's built up over almost thirty years? Well, you don't need a lot of people. You just need some good people. Well, no, we do. What we need is a big group to be able to glean as many good people out of it as will respond. And you see, he's got a very activist and a, quite an intelligent audience, which is something a lot of these other shows don't have. He's got a bullhorn. That's it. Yeah, well, he is a bull, and he's horny. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about those things, and I don't want to know. Okay, all I want to do is get access to to straighten his thinking out and get him educated and have a shot at illuminating a quote unquote his audience. Because I guarantee you, if we can get on that platform right there, we'll have a slew of affidavits going in. Okay, well, I mean, look, I'd like to get on Alex Jones too, but. I don't know if I could get this information out because Alex just wants to constantly interrupt you all the time. Well, I would put Alex ahead of him. Well, at least we'll see. The thing is, Alex won't listen. Jeff will. Yeah, well, I don't think so. Okay, well, I mean, Jeff doesn't sit there and constantly interrupt you and try and take words out of your mouth when you're in the middle of a sentence. Generally, generally. Uh, so, hey, we just get one step at a time, man. I'll take any comers. Uh, I think, uh, like Gary, we were talking right before the uh, show. Gary has uh, got I'm supposed to talk maybe later today with a pretty big talk show host out there who had your guy on, Ron Gibson, I believe, is where I've seen him before. He's got a, a radio show out in west northwestern Montana that he told Gary has 250,000 listeners. It's very possible, Okay. 
um, and his name's Jim White, and he's anxious to get me on for two hours. So, um, looking forward to that. Got this thing scheduled with Andy. The thing, the thing about doing this interview with Andy that's kind of perplexing, though, is because I got to figure that anybody that listens to Andy on Eurofolk hangs around and listens to this. Now, I could be wrong. There's a lot of people may like like the intro music, may not like my voice, whatever. I don't want to hear that and turn off, okay? Well, that's cool. But I got to figure a lot of them that are Andy's listeners listen to us. So they're kind of familiar with more than Andy with what we do here. But uh, you see, it's not going going to Andy is because of his other influence in the community, not necessarily to be on his show. And it's going to be strange when he plays it for me to go over this and then we come on and do our show afterwards. All right. So that's kind of an unusual situation. I think you got to agree. Yeah, but I think that's a great pick. I mean, that that's the kind of guy you want you know well really. i agree uh, well I, listen i'll take any of them you know i'm taking any and all comers even this what was this guy's name patrick timponi the one that's so brave that doesn't want to talk about the irs oh no i don't want to talk about those guys oh but i'm brave i ain't scared of anybody you idiot what are you doing hiding out in ecuador <laughs> i, what, what I would guy? even i would even done an interview with that idiot <laughs> What are the guys on RBN that that's a great listener, smart guy, good audience? I think good from the standpoint of where we're all coming from would be fair and Shof. Never and heard of him. And he's been given the uh, I think Tuesday John slot. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see. Uh, you know about getting this Thursday slot that uh, I haven't heard back from Tom. I don't. I sent him all the package as usual, and then uh, Wayne spoke with him. Evidently, they have a personal relationship to some degree. And but I know it's Christmas, and he's probably got plenty on his plate, and this, that, and the other. But I'm kind of optimistic about that, Samuel. Quite frankly. I don't want to be. Well, dis- I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen, but I am somewhat optimistic about it at this point. And because of people like Wayne, your your name is coming up more and more on RBN, and more and more people are hearing it. So if you could get in there once in a while, like say on Fair and Show, where I know you'd be treated fairly, and uh, he has a great following. Um, he's a really good guy. I would. Uh, I think that would be good seat okay. to throw. Well, see, I've know. never even heard of the guy before. So you guys listen to a lot of these shows. I don't, and it's always better for a third party endorsement, like we've been doing lately. When Leon and everybody else bombarded that guy Tom on a Friday here uh, recently, and if third party endorsements are always better. Always better. See, when I go to people say, hey, look, I got the key to the Matrix. Sure, sure, dumbass. And they're going to go off, you know, and go off and listen to Alex Jones or something. But when somebody else says, you need to listen to this guy, okay, then that's that's a much more powerful endorsement. You know, the the reason I think Farron, well, number one, Farron's fair and he's open, but he never had, all of the shows I've listened to him, he's never discussed a remedy and i think that he would be very open to that because he realized how sick the whole country is okay great well i'd love to be on with him and i think if we can secure if we do if this uh, thursday slot gets secured that will probably open the door to a lot of these other people on rbn like lauren 
I mean, I'd I'd love to be on Lauren's program. You know, the only problem there is it's only an hour long, and it's they they're running those spots in there. Yeah, Farron's got two hours on John's slot, and he's got a weekend show where he's got at least two hours there too. I think. Okay. Well, uh, if you guys want to contact him and say, "Listen, you need to you need to hear what this guy's got to say," uh, yeah. I, I I'm I'm open to talk with anybody. You know. Yeah, for anybody that wants to do that, their websites and everything are on RBN on their uh, their uh, schedule. Okay. Uh, they have their websites and, and all their contact information. Great. i tell you what I'd like to do is go talk to whoever's got the helm at Republic about Hyperverse and a way that they make and get themselves funded to the point where they can stop running spots. Well, you know, the, I didn't realize this, but this... I think his name is Tom D. He's the guy that John actually entrusted um, to deal with this if anything happened to him. Well, I think and that's I think the guy we're talking with that Wayne knows that I wrote an email to that's got that Friday show. I believe that's the same guy, isn't it? The one you called I in that day after Leon, right? Yeah, I believe so. Now, I, I didn't know that, though, that he said that on that show, and I didn't hear it. When he told it to me, I had to re-listen to it to catch that, and he's open. There's no doubt about it, um, but maybe a little afraid of it. Well, know? it may be. I, he's got my material. He's got uh, been nudged. You guys nudged him on the air live, and Wayne nudged him on the side, person to person. So I, I think it's I think I like I said I feel very good about it. Usually things like that turn out positively. I mean it's not like I'm somebody that's not experienced running a radio show program and don't have anything to talk about. Okay, I mean I've got all the criteria that they need to fill one of those slots. Um, so we'll see. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, I think what you'd be overcoming there, Roger, is this is an older guy who's seen a lot of guys go down in the tax kind of. Uh, bad information that have been jailed and stuff and you know oh, that yeah. kind of well, thing. well i understand that but i mean when i can take yeah. you right to 26 cfr 1.1-1c and show you in their own words i'm proving what i'm talking about uh and the sure. fact you know what we what we've got going for us is we've got a almost 11 year track record without one single blemish on it you know, the only even, and I don't even consider it a blemish because it's not a done deal yet. The only time in this entire time that anybody's been refused is Paget's mother. I still think that's because she's a South African. Well, I do too, and that's I'm not putting it down as a as a failure yet because we, it hasn't been uh, adjudicated at this point. I think if they if she continues to hold their feet to the fire that they're going to come off of that and send her a passport. But Paget's going to have to do it. I told her I volunteered right here on the program to help her write that letter, and she's off doing her thing. So I guess when we're ready or she wants to involve me, she'll let me know. Maybe she's a descendant of the Romanovs. She's a <laughs> that, she's a piece of work that Paget girl. <laughs> There's something in her background that they don't like. Uh, you know, I guarantee you, I know she's got a, at least one sister and a brother. And I guarantee you, the next time we get a chance to talk, I want to ask her. Say, were you always the one that instigated everything? Because I'll bet you money she was. 
I'll bet she got her sister and her brother in all kinds of trouble when she were when they were little. Okay, you're gonna go do this. Let's go do this, and she'd send them off to do it. I bet you money. <laughs> And Dawn, I'm very impressed with Dawn, too. Dawn, are you with us this morning? She may not be. I'm very impressed with Dawn, too. She's got some of those qualities also. She's a, she's a frisky little thing out there. One of, one of the usual suspects. Yep. So uh, it's good to see you motivators. And, you know, as things get worse, more people are going to be looking for answers. And we're fixing to see how worse things are going to get here as 2-2 rolls around. 2022 is going to be a stem winder, folks. A hey, Roger. Stem winder. Yes, Doug. <laughs> stem winder. I want to say that I still uh, become amazed and impressed. Hold on. Hold on. Where, where, where are we getting that? Where are we getting that feedback from? It's ugly. There's a jack in the box. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, put him, get his ass back in the box, would you? <laughs> the uh, I'm and I'm not trying to shine you on here, but you know I'm I'm impressed and amazed. Uh, your uh, command of uh, the language and this topic and, and all these things that have developed. I think it was since your last uh, kind of spiritual journey there, but I wanted to. Which, which spiritual journey are you talking about? Yeah, you know, when you kind of uh, didn't feel right and you knew something was going on, you have two, you've had two of these types oh, of you mean that, Oh, you mean those trance things? Yeah. Man, I, that, that's, a, that's a very strange subject. Where is that feedback coming from? Brent, have you got your volume up too high or something, Doug? No, I, nothing's changed here. It's, I don't, it's not coming from me. Okay. I don't think. Uh, somebody put their mute on. It's gone. It seems gone now. Those are very unusual, and I don't know any other way to describe it to try and tell people about it except a trance because that's the only thing that I can equate it to that people might even be- begin to understand. It's just a weird thing, man, weird time. Well, what I wanted to mention is on uh, – EFR on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, most weeks, Eli has Pastor David Martins on with him, who's a South African. I'm familiar with uh, the other South African that um, Peter Andy, yeah, Peter Hammond that he interviews. But this guy, uh, David Hammond, who's a pastor, he had a he tells the story that he had a visit some years ago from an angel who told him to look up the history of specific information that the angel gave him, and this guy really explains going back. To all the Masons, the Dutch Masons, all this stuff, and um, a, a, an in-depth history of what has gone on with uh, the Cape Dutch and um, the South Africans and the Boers. Uh, the Boers, exactly. 
yeah so uh I, I i i'm not sure because i usually catch the shows live so i'm not sure if they're um archived or not i think they are jeff would they, you know jeff's pretty tight with eli does uh eli have an archive for those play those shows I believe the archives everything right on their own uh, Eurofolk Radio website. Okay. Are you familiar with this, uh, David? You said his name. I, I think Martins. you said Martin. You said, I think you used Hammond accidentally a minute well, ago. David Martin, no, are you I familiar? About, I, know. I was speaking about both individuals, but I, I it's with an S on the end. Okay. Are you familiar with this uh, guy, Jeff? Pastor David Martins. His last name is spelled M-A-A-R-T-E-N-S. Okay. I've heard him on Andy's show, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, on Andy's show. Yeah. All right. Well, about every week on Sunday, Eli into, has a call to him, and and they speak together. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. And he you... relates a lot of the instructions he was given. It was in a you know a spiritual experience he had. He couldn't. He was kind of on his knees or flat on the ground. And he was given specific instructions to search out the history. So he still covers that and speaks to that aspect of it where he uh, found this document out, this history document out, all kinds of things. It's very intriguing. And this goes back to the Boers, who are a race of Israelites um for a long time from the beginning of them coming to that area etc and what he has found out and i think that's why as um samuel mentions uh that this is why they're so hated because it goes back so far and the this was kind of a as i see it kind of a template well, of uh, this new world order system being uh, um, put against well it was the early it, well it was the early parts because of the incredible wealth that is there's more wealth in that little part of the world than anywhere else because of the unique geography there and what caused the diamonds and the gold and everything and the boers were dutch weren't they wasn't their origin dutch netherlands most of them were Dutch. Many also were German. And that was in the 1600s they went there. You know, the trekkers, or trekkers. Right. Now, did they were they just looking for an outlet? Were they being persecuted religiously or what? Jeff, you seem to know a little bit about this. Oh, that's right, a little. Well, you could equate them to the American pilgrims, uh -huh. the, period, the reasons they came to America. Right. But, so that's why the Boers went to south africa okay now do you think yes. that they had a rivalry rivalry with the jews and the brits already at that point now don't forget when the spanish uh inquisition happened a, a lot of those jews left spain and went up to amsterdam they sure did jeff i got a question now do, yeah. do you do you know after they were down there for a while I guess they became called Afrikaners, right? Yes. Yeah, Boers, oh, no. Afrikaners, I think, are oh, the same no. thing, Samuel. No, no, no. No? Afrikaners are the non-Boers. They're the Dutch that came later that were infiltrated, I believe, by the... Uh, yeah, okay. okay. ...the individuals. 
my main question is after they were down there the first ones for a while do you know what stature they became height wise oh you mean how tall were they yes yes i don't know but i imagine they weren't very short you know because my my sister dated a guy for a while and when i was home on one of my trips uh i went over this place really nice guy he collected the british army's stuff from the boer wars Holy his house enough. was full of it really it was he had their rifles i think it was a 352 that they used oh, yeah. uh big heavy caliber right and they had he had their swords their uniforms the place was full of mannequins with uh, them dressed all of them dressed and the, the thing that blew me away they looked like little boys they were all about five foot two oh <laughs> uh, it, it's quite interesting of course and that's when cecil rhodes went down there and rhodesia was named after him and uh they went in and uh they he bought he bought a farm from a family and that's where they found the diamonds were do you know the name of the family de burrs they named the company after the family whose farm he squandered that sits atop the mine and these farmers were handing the British on the battlefield their heads. They had to finally oh, yeah. jail their their children and, and their, their women. women. Right. In, con- in the first concentration camps. There yep. you go. Yeah. Thanks, Churchill. They're the British. They got a lot of blood on their hands, man. And, and of course, the, uh, Cecil Rhodes left six trusts, is my understanding. He dialed, He died childless. He had a brother who had two sons, and both the trusts would have gone to them, and both of them died mysteriously. And now the trusts are controlled by the Rothschilds. Well, you know, Roger, um, having listened to both uh, Peter Hammond and um, Dr. or or Pastor Martins, Pastor Mar- uh, uh, Peter Hammond um, puts a lot of acclaim, a positive acclaim, on Rhodes. And uh, Martins <laughs> does just the opposite. Um, Rhodes is a scoundrel. Yeah. And you, you know any ravens, uh, sodomites that are out there doing good public work? It's never happened. But there's a very interesting timeline that Dr. David Martins has brought up when the British came in and they it was the British that uh, basically put the women and children in the slave camps. Of, of and course. Most of them died. Of course. And uh, he mentions, Dr., uh, Pastor Martins, that... There is a battle of Blood River. I'm sure you can look this up. And it was like, I mean, the 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 uh, these were farmers who had rifles, 
the British had more advanced rifles than the odds. I don't remember what they were, but they were uh, tremendously outnumbered and outgunned. The, and Br not, the British were not involved in the Battle of Blood River. That was the Boers, oh. the farmers against what? Oh, 8,000 of the uh, indigenous Zulu. people. Yeah. Like the Zulus. Yeah. The Zulu. yeah. You're right. So anyway, and the, they, and the Boers prevailed without, yeah. without a single death on their side. Wow. Exactly. It was biblical. Yeah. And at that time, right before the battle of Blood River, they renewed the covenant because they understood they were Israelites. They, they renewed the covenant between the Heavenly Father and themselves. And then the battle ensued and not one man was lost, but the, uh, the Zulus were, you know, it was, they yeah. lost a lot. I've, I also, if I'm not in error, uh, similar to the Battle of Hastings, 1666, well, the Zulu king, or one of the kings of the Zulus, also got struck in the eye with a cannon shot, a bullet shot, I don't know. And so that helped to scare off the uh, tribesmen there. Yeah. Oh, kind of like, oh, like the arrow. That was 1066, not 16. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I understand. Noel, well, you got Sabbateanism on the mind. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, pretty interesting part of the world. And, of course, it's still generating wealth, although the gold mines are petering out. A little bit, and the diamonds is another scam. There's a, well, there's, it, there's, it, there's, there's there's so many diamonds in the world it's ridiculous. They got to try and manipulate the market and make a uh, make a monopoly out of it and make them scarce and start them in on being used in wedding stuff. Um, you know that the, none of the De Beers people can enter the United States without being arrested. Hmm. Still. Now, I don't know if they'd arrest them now. They'd probably roll out the red carpet for them, you know. But supposedly they can't come to the U.S. on monopolistic charges. Uh, Boo-hoo. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the uh, warrants out for, um, what's his name, um, the big funder of all this thing. I just went blank. Rose? No. You know, Soros. Soros. He, he probably has a warrant on him, but no, he doesn't. Um, he lives up in Connecticut, for God's sakes. Right. No, I mean from other countries. Oh, from other countries. The um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, I think he can't go to Hungary. That's where he's from. I think that he can't go to Hungary. There's probably a couple of European countries he can't set foot in. What a scum, slime piece you know, of Connecticut. Roger, isn't isn't that the state that doesn't have sheriffs anymore? Yes. He's probably responsible. Uh, I don't know. Don't know, but it is the only, it's not one of the states. It's the only state that doesn't have sheriffs. Well, they have coroners instead? Don't know. Well, I'm sure they got coroners. Yeah. I meant instead of, you know. Don't know. Don't know how that happened or anything. I just became aware of that when Brent mentioned it one day. If you wanted to learn more about the Boers on Eurofolk Radio, Eli's website, 
there's material. Eli had, uh, he actually made a trip over to England and visited with Andy, and they talked about a lot of different things, and that was one of them. Huh. Okay. He went to South Africa, too. I had a South African gal from the U.S. on the show years ago at one point. Somebody, listener, turned me on to her and had her on the show, and we talked about all that stuff in the background, the history and all that. Uh, and it's sad how persecuted these uh, South Africans are. You know, the, about the only country in the world that will accept them is the Russians. And a bunch of them have moved up to Russia. Is Russia not the most Christian country in the world now? How about how's that for some irony? Just like Edgar Casey predicted in 1945, right? right. US and Russia would change places regarding communism and Christianity. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Raj. Hey, there's Mr. Allen. Did you get a little? <laughs> did you get a little break from your from your grease monkey stuff? A little bit. Yeah, I don't understand that. These people think I'm supposed to work before they pay me money. What's up with it? I don't know, man. I thought the post office worked just the opposite. <laughs> I thought they did too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, now that uh, I was going to talk about that case a little bit that okay, I sent you. Good. Okay. Now Alan sent me something last night, and it involved a lot of reading. And you know, it's hard for me to read something like that concertedly. So I said, why don't you? come on and give us the thumbnail when you can uh, because you said there were some things in this case about the 14th Amendment and I'm sure all of us are anxious to hear well it's uh the case is kind of strange it was called diet versus Turner D-Y-E-T-T V Turner uh, Utah Supreme Court uh, 1968 okay uh, but the, the the law in the case is really not anything to do with, with what <laughs> what's in it uh they had uh, arrested a man for for fraud. He had wrote written bad checks, and they had locked him up. And he didn't even want a lawyer. He pled guilty and said, "Yeah, I wrote him. I didn't have the money." And so they wound up throwing him in prison. And uh, he was thinking that if he pleaded guilty, that they were going to let him out on on parole. But then after they didn't, he turned around and wanted to file habeas corpus. So they were trying to determine whether. He fully understood at the time that he had right to an attorney or not. Well, the judge in the case went off on this tirade and uh, this long dissertation about the Constitution. And that's what's in the interesting part in the case. It's really n nothing to do with the case. It's what the judge put on record and had to say about the Constitution and the things that went on with it. Okay. That's all just stuck into the case. But... He uh, he went on to, to say it was uh, he had to you'd have to review the historical background to understand how the 14th Amendment came to be part of the the case. And he said General Lee surrendered his army on April 9, 1865. Johnson surrendered his 17 days later within a period of less than six weeks thereafter. Not a one Confederate soldier was bearing arms by June 30th of 1865. The Confederate states were all restored by presidential proclamation to their proper positions as states in an indis indissoluble union. And practically all citizens thereof had been granted amnesty. Immediately thereafter, each of the succeeding states functioned as regular states in the union with both states and federal courts in full operation. So they basically 
in six weeks they were back to normal business so uh, at least on the surface yeah yeah uh uh, he goes on. Uh, you'd really have to read this unless you want me to get into reading some of some more well, why of this don't you here. Drop, drop a little of us on, of it on us. Well, Alan. okay. He said uh, the eleven southern states, having taken their rightful and necessary place in the in- indestructible union, proceeded to determine whether to ratify or reject the proposed Thirteenth Amendment. Right. In order, in order to become part of the constitution it was necessary that the proposed amendment be ratified by 27 of the 36 states at that time among those 27 states ratifying the 13th amendment were 10 from the south yep. to wit louisiana tennessee arkansas south carolina alabama north carolina georgia mississippi florida and texas all voted to bring the 13th amendment in uh, when the 39th Congress assembled on December 5th, 1865, the senators and representatives from the 25 northern states voted to deny seats in both house in both houses of Congress to anyone elected from the 11 southern states. Now this this happened right after they had done brought the 13th in. So they, they, they let they let them all in with an open door policy to vote on this 13th. Yeah. And then they closed the door after that. Yep. Then they closed the door. Be- because the 13th Amendment was designed to be able to incorporate state citizens into the federal status. Yeah. Uh, uh, he said. Uh, and they uh, let okay. the southern states in to vote on it. So it is constitutional. That's the way it, it looks to read in here from them. This is from the judge. Like I said, um, I, I forget now his name's on that case. If you pull the case up and look at it, I wondered what happened to him after he wrote all this in here. I wondered if he didn't make it very long after that, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he said the full complement of senators from 36 states of the union was 72, and the full membership in the House was 240. Since it requires only a majority vote, Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution, to refuse a seat in Congress, only 50 senators and 182 congressmen from the North were seated. All the 22 senators and 58 representatives from the southern states were denied seats. Joint Resolution Number 48, proposing the 14th Amendment, was a matter of great concern to the Congress and to the people of the nation in order to have this proposed amendment submitted to the 36 states for ratification it was necessary that two-thirds of each house concur a count of noses the 14th amendment was the legislation was titled the Civil Rights Act of 1866 and that became the 14th amendment so that was joint resolution 48 correct was, okay it said uh account of noses showed that only 33 senators were favorable to the measure and 33 was a far cry from two-thirds of 72 and lacked one from being two-thirds of 50 seated senators 
while it requires only a majority of votes to refuse a seat to a Senate, it requires a two-thirds majority to unseat a member once seated. Um, that's Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution. One John P. Stockton was seated on December the 5th, 1865, as was one of the senators from New Jersey. He was outspoken in his opposition to Joint Resolution 48, proposing the 14th Amendment. The leadership in the Senate not having control of two-thirds of the seated senators voted to refuse to seat Mr. Stockton upon the grounds that he had received only a plurality and not a majority of votes of the New Jersey legislature. Okay, so the guy from New Jersey was going to object to the 14th Amendment, and they kicked him out on a technicality. Yes, Yes, they kicked him out. Uh, It goes on and says, in the House of Representatives, it would require 122 votes to be two-thirds of the 182 seated. Only 120 for the proposed amendment, but because there were 30 absentees, uh, it was declared to have been passed by a two-thirds vote of the House. It's just kind of like all the shenanigans with the 16th Amendment. (laughs) Kind of like putting Biden in, too, ain't it? They just counted what they wanted to. (laughs) The guy, by the way, this is also fairly important. The guy that introduced House, what, number 48, the Civil Rights Act of 1866? Yeah. Was a railroad lawyer from Ohio. A senator. Now Mm. you see where the preceding 13th Amendment that they'd gotten rid of comes into play? No titles of nobility? The railroad lawyer wouldn't have been seated in the Congress if the old 13th Amendment was in play. Hmm. Well, it says, it goes on thereafter, uh, he talked about how they, they were going to try and get the votes. It said Nebraska had been admitted to the union and so the secretary of the state in transmitting the proposed amendment announced that ratification by 28 states would be needed before the amendment would become part of the constitution uh, since there were at the time 37 states in the union a rejection by 10 states would thus defeat the proposal and by March 17, 1867, the proposed amendment had been ratified by 17 and rejected by 10, with California voting to take no action thereon, which was equivalent to rejection. This, the proposal was, thus the proposal was defeated. Uh, one of the ratifying states, Oregon, had ratified by a membership wherein two legislators were subsequently held not to be duly elected, and after the contest, the duly elected member of the legislature of Oregon rejected the proposed amendment. However, the rejection came after the amendment was declared passed. So, so they wouldn't even. So count they had their votes. the requisite amount of states to cause it to fail, and they rammed it through anyway. Pretty much, yeah. What it looks like that they they went ahead and rammed it through anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said uh, 
two of the states were made at that time, West Virginia and uh, yeah. another state yeah. Lincoln put in at that time. And that was the reason he put them in was to help get this proposal through. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Nevada. Wasn't was, Nevada one of them? Uh, I believe it was. It said in there, Nevada, Nevada, and, West, Nevada and West Virginia, I believe. I think it was. I think it, I think it was Nevada and West Virginia that he put in at that time. Because actually, I think Nevada didn't have enough people to be classified as a state. Was what they said about it. There were were not the population was not enough in that area to uh, to term it a state. And they he passed it and made it a state anyway. That was stated in this article too. All of this is in that court case that the judge put out. It's a, so it's all on record as to all of this right here. This that hmm. was going on at that time. That's really interesting information, Alan. Well, there's a whole lot more in here, but, you know, I don't know how much time you got to read. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, if there's anything really interesting, it's certainly worth discussing. We don't have anything else that important to talk about and observe. But uh, I will try and go back and find the link. Uh, to, you sent me a, uh, way more stuff than I was going to read. Well, that. And what I, I sent you was I clipped I clipped you, some of the main body out and uh-huh. sent it to you just in a text file. Right. Uh, I put the link over in the the chat room, just chat box, just a minute ago. Though, it'll pull up on on the internet, just justice law or something like that. It pulls the whole case up. Okay. And you can scroll down through the case and look at it. All right. Why don't you also shoot that to me over there in Telegram, and I'll include it in today's show description for the audience that may be listening later. People want to check it out. You want to give the style of the case again? It's uh, it was. Gerald J. DeWitt, plaintiff, versus John W. Turner, warden, Utah State Prison defendant. So it's DeWitt Uh, v. Turner. DeWitt v. Turner, uh, Supreme Court of Utah, March 22, 1968. Hmm, Fairly recent. Elliot was the justice, it said on there. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also, about that time, there was a Louisiana congressman named Rarick who put uh, pages on the 14th Amendment and the fact that it was not ratified. I'm sure a lot of this information, it may be where he got what he put in that case, was from the congressional record. I don't know. But that's in the congressional record, and the congressman was from Louisiana. His name was Rarick, R-A-R-I-C-K. If any of you want to follow up on that and do some reading and investigative research. I just found it really interesting that all that information's in a case of just fraud that was really a nothing nothing case. What they were looking at was yeah. obviously guy, that obviously that judge that, that, that judge. judge ooh, where's that coming from? I don't know. Uh, Roger, it's Gary. Hey Gary, that's where it's coming from. Hey, hey Gary. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm at work. Yeah. Uh, hey, I got that I got that rare PDF. I sent it around to a bunch of people. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's out there. Did you read it, Gary? Yeah, I did. It was pretty interesting. Okay. Does it have a lot of this kind of information in there that Alan's going over? Yeah, pretty much. It uh, may have been that may have been where the judge got it. Actually, it could be. So anyway, if if anybody needs that rare case, I can send it to them if they okay. send me. Great. All Thank right. you. Thank Bye. you. Gary. Alan, the link that you put up there comes up page not found. Oh, it does? Okay, well, if, if you'll just type D, uh, DeWitt v. Turner, 
It should it should pull it, it right up. Is it D E capital W I T T? No, no, no. It's it's D Y E T T. Okay, D Y E T T V Turner. Turner. Like mm-hmm. Ted Turner. Yeah. Yes. Like CNN. Thank I took you. it right off of the page. I wonder why that link didn't come up. Dang. <laughs> anyway, was there anything else you wanted to cover on that? So there's more there to go over, Alan. Uh, no. I would, let's see. Okay. Pull well, back we, and look at it. All right, see, you but. can go over it there. We'll put it. We'll try and get that link uh, uh, over there in uh, uh, in the show description today. If not, we've adequately covered it enough where somebody that's curious can go search it up if they're really interested. But again, Alan brings us a good find, and again, that reinforces some of the you new bloods here that have still got all of the energy and and drive to get out there and dig stuff up like this and read it and bring it to us. So I appreciate that, Alan. Alan, don't forget's the one that brought us the one sentence disclaimer. It was Alan that brought that that. Hey, Roger, I got a one sentence or affidavit here. <laughs> 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 but it wasn't me it was on the page you said to read well, so i read I it <laughs> you did you did and i and obviously i didn't so uh uh i mean what a what a beautiful thing to put in front of these people and show them that document show them the dual political status you could show them the stuff in the middle about it if you wanted to go into the explanation a national owes total allegiance to a small s state and then the federal states with the capital s and then that one sentence at the bottom that one document has got so much ammunition in it it's incredible and it's simple there's your dual political status you want to get out of this here's one sentence and it's their own sentence that they put in their own policy document i'm pretty sure they know what it's that it's going to work so anyway thank you alan well this is kind of like the statement trust the science well you know that the uh, the the vampires want to use Alan's research there and exposure of this simple sentence is science because it is words it and is. words are mathematical. Well, they're well. And, let me tell you yeah. something. Law is science. Yeah. Okay? And if people when they got potentially billions or whatever dollars in people's lives that hang on the definition of one word and it's got to be exact and succinct that's science it's just like two and two's got to equal four okay math is a science too because of the the required exactness of it now that's what they've used the opposite of that and the looseness of generalities to set us up to zap us with specificities that's what's going on they're just using it the opposite way like they always do well you know how hillary said it takes a village yeah that was all about you know controlling the children probably from the womb well in this case here we're we're using a that concept that actually you know it's like a not a, a mindless herd but a herd of people that are coming together and just adding it remember long ago i i came up with this thing it's a smorgasbord this show is a smorgasbord 
Okay. And it is. That's what this is. Okay. And you get the right food that you need to enter the battle. Because this is a battle. And you can't let up. Okay. This has to be real to you. Because it's not just about my life or your life. We're trying to bring light to the to truth. We're trying to affect change here. That's my object. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just great. Um, so many knowledgeable people that are on this uh, in this restaurant. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's hey. taken. You know, it's very satisfying for me because it's got so many years and so much work and dedication of me in it you know and uh, to see it start come to fruition and to be able to touch other people and you find people here and many of you have gotten to be dear friends and uh we relate to each other on a real base real truthful basis that other people don't have that those channels to relate to each other on and it's just an awful lot of really neat things about it well, also, Roger, excuse me, but, you know, what this is, when I call it a smorgasbord, I just got this realization. You know, I, I assumed it was some place where you come to eat all kinds of different food. But what I just realized is what's actually happening is this is like a, a farm dinner which where everybody brings something. To the yeah. table. Yeah, that's a good one. Potluck, a potluck dinner. Yeah, yeah, and and but this potluck is powerful. Well, it certainly can be. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, you're getting infused. You've got the ingredients. You've got the path to re-empower yourself and get the powers that God meant for you to have, not only at birth, but throughout your life that have been you've been cheated out of, basically. You know, I mean, the, the simplest way that I've come to understand this is these bastards stole their birthright back. Isn't that what happened? And we're going back and confronting them and saying, we've got the birthright, and they stand there mute. They stole the knowledge, which you could go slash their food of understanding. That's what they did. But now, I mean, just on your show, I don't know how many others are going on because I don't listen to any others for the most part. The knowledge and understanding, because, you know, people like Alan, like you, like Jeff, Harvey, Samuel, uh, there's history there. You know, you, you talk about you and John Benson and the other guy of being worth uh, equal to 100 years of knowledge. Well, imagine, you know, what does this equate to with all of the mirror, uh, all these people? Wow, it's incredible. And these people aren't newcomers. They're not neophytes. They're bringing a, a tremendous amount of years of their studying, and, and they're still at it. Every day. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, That's I'm still true. I'm still learning and understanding stuff about this, and I've been totally immersed in it for going on thirty years here, pretty quick. Yeah. So it's just about it's speaking a, of thirty years in time, we're just about the end of ours. Yes, Lisa, do you have something, sweetie? 
It's a potluck of superfoods. There you go. Potluck of superfoods and super remedies. And uh, we're happy to have all of you. And I keep telling you how how much each and every one of you mean to me. And as you get out there and start talking to people and seeing the reactions and the some of the things you got to go up against to get this message across, you understand a little bit better that statement from me. Jimbo, are you sitting there ready to uh, take the reins, I suppose, I think? I'm present and accounted for. Present and accounted for you. Well, there's the whistler right there. Um, Okay, well, I guess that'll wrap us up for the day. Let's see if I can get this volume down a little bit. Roger, I sent that to you on Telegram, so you got the link over there. I heard it. I heard it come in, Alan. Thank you. Let me get that pipe down just a little bit. Well, Jim Ram's about to take over here, and I guess you got something relevant to talk about today, as always. So, uh... We'll uh, be listening. You guys have a good day. We'll be back tomorrow, see what happens between now and then. And if it's important, we'll talk about it. And if not, we'll find something else to talk about. Okay? Um, So thanks a whole bunch. And uh, had a good program today, I believe. Thank you, Alan, for bringing that good info to us. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time on the same Eurofolk Radio channel. So I expect to see you here. So, you guys, thanks a lot. And uh, Jim's going to take over and spin you in the world of do-it-yourself health and wealth. See you tomorrow, Roger. Okay. Okay, Roger. All right. We'll get knocked off here in just a second, Jim, and I'll turn it over to you. Um, So, anyway, pretty interesting stuff today. What's going on with you? You don't have anything scheduled to agendize today, or are you just going to roll into something? Oh, got little bits and pieces here and there, just uh, odds and ends. I have uh, ensured that there will be a light winter this year because I yesterday put the uh, snowblade on my tractor. Oh, there you so go. Ready to go, which uh. means I won't use it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we just got popped off there, so I'll let.